For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 22nd, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... There are four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar, lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Thing to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host. I'm here with DJ Barker. Hello, hello. Who's a financial planner? Uh, managing associate in our financial planning planning and implementation department, along with Jarrett McKenzie. Ooh, I thought oh. something better was coming Jarrett, than that, Troy. You really teed it up. Hey, man. For all well, you I, listeners in Paulding County. <laughs> well, Jarrett, I appreciate the introduction. Jarrett, you know we love to pick on you. It's only because you're such a good sport about it. Oh, I thought you were going to say market predictor. Oh, come on, man. Well, I, last time you were on the show, it's been a couple of weeks ago, you said what? I said it was going up. Okay, well, it didn't. But That's uh, what I'm saying. You know. and, and this week, we actually do have the market up, so we can only assume what you said That's last time. a week away. There we go. Half a percent in the last week. <laughs> uh, not, a, not a bad deal. Market had a day off uh, last Friday. Um, but well, everybody deserves a day off, you know. Once in a while. Yep. Once in cool a while. Cool down. Take a break every now exactly. and then. Exactly. Sure. Why not? Uh, information technology is the leader over the week, 1.5%. Uh, we do have uh, ugly laggard for the week. Energy has lost over 3%. It's been kind of rough in the in yeah, the oil patch. We've seen that. What's, what's been driving that, you think? Uh, well, part of it, I think, is uh, maybe interest rate related. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, it's always supply. Right. So, uh, you know, from middle ways through 2014, uh, through early 2016, we had uh, Saudi Arabia that drove uh, supply through the roof, and the the uh, price reacted negatively on that. Um, now OPEC is trying to be uh, a little better about the supply. The price is, uh, is more attractive, um, but they have absolutely no control over the folks in the Bakken shale. So uh, the domestic United States producers are are doing what they do. And, uh, you know, as long as it's profitable for them, I guess, uh, they don't listen to a cartel. They're uh, they're supplying the market with a, a commodity that, uh, that they can produce. And that's the most um, uh, profitable piece mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, sure. E&P, they call it, uh, exploration and production of oil is uh, the most productive or most profitable piece uh, in our uh, domestic oil company, in just about any oil company drawing uh, raw material out of the ground, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is the way they do it. They they uh, found out very, very well what uh, what their uh, profitability point, their break point, break-even point is on uh, on crude oil 
uh, during that time that we talked about between mid-14 and early 2016. So uh, anytime the price gets above that, it's easy for those producers to uh, strike a new well and uh, draw some profit out of the ground. So um, it's all about the supply, mostly. Um, So where does that leave us for the year? Uh, Just like for the week, uh, information technology is leading. Tech is up 12% year to date. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't participate as much in the early rally after the election, but they surely have caught up since then. Uh, And if you look, financials that had uh, been burning it up uh, early after the election are only up Mm -hmm. half a percent year to date. You know, I saw earlier the the international piece seems to have had a pretty good run this year so far. I know that's not shown in in what we're looking at, but uh, that that seems to, especially the the, uh, ETF that we use to gain the international exposures, doing pretty well, right? I mean, is that... Kind of turning around from where it was, you know, obviously the big downturn by the end of 2015. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we we have watched, uh, I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head, but I know at one point just in the last couple of weeks I looked, it was about 9% higher year-to-date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and international stocks are, are playing a little yeah. bit of catch-up. What you saw in 2016 was finally uh, – uh, you had the European Central Bank uh, come out and, and do a little bit of quantitative easing that we thought, uh, you know, was probably smart. They were way late. Uh, we started that in, uh, what, 2010, I think it was, uh, yeah. trying to uh, – basically, we, we what that is is uh, the central bank taking uh, currency and, and – uh, converting it into bonds. So basically they're buying bonds, especially on the long end of the yield curve, uh, those maturities uh, 20 years and longer, uh, mm-hmm. to try to drive down interest rates. Obviously, low interest rates benefit uh, corporations who have to source capital in order to run their operations. Uh, it's usually uh, done with debt, quite often short-term, but you know, as, as often they'll borrow long-term. So right. uh, it lowers their cost of capital and, and makes them more profitable. Um, well, 9%, that's so, pretty good. It'd have them on number two on this list, right, just under the uh, the tech. Yeah, one thing that I don't have on the list as well, uh, gold has done quite well this year as well. Uh, I think I looked last week, it was up a little over 8% year-to-date. So um, that, too, is a, uh, you know, it's, it's pressure gold. on the dollar, you think? It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold is generally traded uh, like a currency, so... Uh, you know, it's sourced in dollars. It's a, a heads up against the dollar when the dollar's weak. Uh, gold prices increase. It's not the only thing that drives gold prices, but it is uh, yeah. uh, pretty easy to watch. I thought the dollar was doing, you know, it was pretty strong this year. I mean, is that just relative to other currencies, or is it that? Was, it's been strong over the last couple of years, uh, and, and it, everything is a relative game in, in currency. So, right. um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, when it when the when the dollar loses uh, strength relative to other currencies, it also loses strength relative to gold, which means that gold price goes higher. Uh, Gold also, you know, it's not something you can take to the grocery store and spend, but it's it's considered a a store of value. Um, When you see recessions, the price often spikes higher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of that probably is just uh, what we expect. It's our expectations. used to be that uh, in order for the the, uh, Federal Reserve to print more money, they had to have the backing at least a percentage in gold when they did away with that, and we just have a fiat currency. It's still expected that uh, gold gets more precious when, uh, when recessions hit. Well, now that's not a prediction, is it? No. 
No, no, absolutely not. I'm not leading. Sure. I'm yeah. just telling you when it happens. Okay. Not, it is I'm just making happen. sure. If it's on yeah. a run, you scare me a little yeah. bit. Maybe I need no, to no. change the conversation I, I'm having I, with my clients. I would not call it on a run, Jared. Well, hey, eight oh, percent. That's not bad. Again, that, See, that'd be why, the top of this, this list. Ladies and gentlemen, mess with the here. last this time is why. Jared will be on the radio. This is the it's final show great. for him. It's been yeah. great. It's been a good run. Shoot Jared an email and say your say your farewells. All right, guys. Economy, the economic news this week, uh, consumer price index. This was a, a uh, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, CPI prices fell 0.3% uh, in March following a, a slight gain, 0.1% in February. So uh, even the core CPI was down, but it was down by less, 0.1%. Uh, we did not expect to see deflation, but that's what this indicates that uh, – you know, usually when when the economy strong growths out there, it, it uh, forces prices higher. Uh, when you see CPI fall, it's it's generally a sign of weakness, and that's what we would take it as here. Uh, it did tend to move interest rates uh, during the week. If you look, uh, some of the other, you know, we didn't get into it that deep, but uh, uh, over the week it wasn't uh, wasn't as bad as I thought. But utilities are are actually negative, so I, we did see it move. Um, last week. You think that's going to Pull deter the, the Federal Reserve's intentions for the year then? I mean, if they're, obviously they probably weren't expecting that either. I mean, yeah, they I mean, have a, they have a longer term, you know, outlook. view, yeah. uh, outlook, whatever you want to call it. But obviously this, uh, this would, they've, they've been talking about, you know, you're not going to see steady steps higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this just adds to their, to their confidence that they don't need to spike. Uh, interest rates higher anytime soon. So, um, you know, it's been forever. We got the first interest rate increase uh, December of 2015. We got the second December of 16. Uh, we got a third March, mm-hmm. uh, and now we see March CPI is down. So, um, but weren't their intentions to continue that throughout this year? I mean, is well, they said three. Yeah, three this three year, right? Yeah, interest rates. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to look what the market says uh, in June. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they were saying that we would have a uh, probability of a hike over 50%, probably 51 or 2. Right now, it's 59%. I pulled this data just before we came on the air. So, um, you know, it's still looking like we've got the probability of a rate hike uh, in June. gets even stronger in July. It's over 60%. By September, it's 75%. So, yeah, I mean, the, the only difference that I see is uh, prior to this, I was seeing a second rate increase in uh, January of 2018 mm-hmm. uh, in market-related information, and, and I don't really see that at this point. So uh, if we had changes, you know, that's that's what it is. It's the longer-term expectation, but I would still expect that we're going to get some some increases uh, at least this month. Um, guys, we got a lot of information. I'll tell you just straight up, most of it was negative this week. Retail sales fell 0.2%. We'll go through this quick. New uh, residential construction uh, 6.8% below the revised February totals for March. Um, you look uh, further down, mortgage applications were actually positive, probably related to that lower interest rates that we talked about. So folks are out borrowing a little bit. Uh, Beige Book, and this is usually dated news. It is this time, too. Economic activity expanded modestly uh, on a modest to moderate pace across districts. Uh, nothing new there. It's the same language they've been having. And then jobless claims were up. 10,000 uh, to 244,000, but the longer term still looks relatively relatively negative uh, or relatively low, not negative. Uh, so, 
Guys, let's uh, let's break here and uh, pay a few bills. We'll come back with Dog of the Week. Oh, boy. Stick around. <laughs> This week, you know, I always try to tie these to something business-like. Even if it sounds like it's not business, trust me, it's about business. <laughs> uh, this week's Dog of the Week out of Austin, Texas. This was uh, reported by Reuters. Uh, Wan Wong and her husband, Joseph Emery, were arrested on suspicion of managing a prostitution enterprise that used two or more prostitutes. Now, I don't know how that varies from using just one prostitute, sure. but obviously... Uh, DJ, you've uh, had a little bit of experience in the uh, in the law. So I was gonna let's Ooh. let's make sure we clarify. I'm sure which way you're going there. <laughs> I was a police officer for everyone. I said that in the not, law. Okay, I'm just. I'm, I'm not. Okay. You have me on the edge of my seat though, Troy. <laughs> for all. Uh, okay, yeah. so let's just go right at it. DJ is not a prostitute. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, 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 go ahead and ask me why they got caught. Uh, well, Troy, why did they get caught? All right, so uh, they got a new. Rental property manager. Oh, uh, the rental property manager noted that uh, there was a plumbing problem. Calls oh. out the city. The city uh, found, and I quote, hundreds of condoms that clogged a city sewer pipe led police to raid a massage parlor in Texas and arrest two people for prostitution and other crimes. Oh boy, this is not the first time that we have heard somebody flushing the evidence, so to speak. Yeah has gotten them caught. A couple of years ago, I did a Dog of the Week, and uh, it was about a um, uh, a poker game that went awry. In fact, they had to, to uh, cancel the whole poker game. Uh, this was out in Las Vegas uh, when an individual showed up to the poker game with uh, hundreds, maybe even thousands of illegal uh, poker chips. They mm. were... Uh, they were mock poker chips, if you will. You can't bring your own to those. You, you're supposed to buy them, I think, oh. at the door. This is the okay. way this works. So he okay. was uh, he was planning to uh, get in there with some fake poker chips, got cold feet, flushed the evidence, clogged up the plumbing. Guys, this is the way this works. <laughs> yes. Well, and, criminals and haven't been the smartest there. I mean, I think well, I mean that. yeah, we, we. That's that's uh, that is, the, and I doubt very many of them are listening to this radio station right now. So. Uh, Either way, um, now was this a domestic it, it, case know, or this it, is this was across seas somewhere? No, this was Texas. No, no this you is, said Texas. Yeah, Austin, okay. Texas. This uh, this uh, this happened here. They said uh, they also discovered more than sixty thousand dollars when they uh, looked at the the woman's home. So um, yeah, this is uh, this was an enterprise that uh, was surely not on the up and up, but uh, the massage parlor uh, was a front. That's unfortunate. And and the plumber is who caught him. Like I said, not the first time this has happened. Uh, Won't be the last. Probably not the last. And, Your and plumber once knows again, more than record, you think. That's right. Once again, for the record, DJ is not a prostitute. Just <laughs> so you know. Just so you know. Just so you know. You he was on DJ. the right side of the law. That's correct. the correct DJ side. DJ was an officer. That's I actually, right. back when you were an officer, I witnessed you in action a time or two. 
Um, but that was keeping, exciting. Keeping, oh, man. Wow. I mean, that's... It was, it was, so, uh, it so was, was, it a, was on Bankhead Highway. Bankhead. And you and were I making a, sure that no one exceeded the legal speed limit. Yeah, so I was a motorcycle officer, so Troy got to see, well, chips. Live yeah, and in action, right. right? Well, I'll tell you this. It wasn't near as exciting as <laughs> those, the original chips. For those I of you old enough to know and remember I didn't chips. see yeah. a wreck with explosions and mass, uh, you know, damages and whatnot. Uh, thank you, Jarrett. You can yep, always, sir, uh, always. We can always count on you to have some awesome <laughs> Make it radio. interesting. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, he, he literally... Jarrett yes, dropped, the he dropped the ball. Yes, he <laughs> did. Dropped the ball. <laughs> My apologies. All right, guys. All right. So uh, we do have a. We're going to call it again a situation, not that horrible word that Bill hates. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to call this a situation uh, that involves uh, Debbie and Lawrence. I think the names have been changed to uh, protect the innocent, uh, who will be retiring next year, and they've got a few questions about uh, spending their life savings. Yeah, it's quite a, a common scenario we see, actually. I mean, obviously, we, the, the majority of our client base is retirees, and that's why we thought that, you know, this would be a good sort of situation to, to talk through and discuss and uh, kind of help Debbie and Lawrence here uh, identify some common uh, misconceptions, one, but also, you know, strategies in which they can optimize their retirement income because that's sort of where this transition becomes so meaningful. You know, most people are, are so used to being in that accumulation phase of their life, mm-hmm. and then making the transition into the distribution phase is, is somewhat awkward is, is a lot of the feedback that I get from clients because you're going from having a paycheck to beginning to live off of what, you know, you've been working to save your entire life, and that, that just feels differently. So there's a very distinct behavioral aspect to this and so you know in their regard they are are retiring with a, a rather sizable uh nice nest egg of just over uh well, about three million dollars here in this case and you know a lot of people come to us and say well i don't know what i need or what you know at what age should i retire when can i retire that kind of thing and, right and it always seems to come back to with us given how how our approach to financial planning and, and investment management and what they're spending, right? I mean, that kind of drives what that number is for everybody. And so it's not, I don't think it's as simple as a general rule of thumb that can be identified for any one person. It's more so, look, if we can kind of nail down and hone in on what, what your spending needs are and what you anticipate having to have in retirement, that would be in addition to, say, Social Security amounts, pension amounts, maybe rental incomes, things of that nature, well, then we can better identify what it is that you need from the portfolio. And, and that really uh, is at the heart of how we plan. And I know DJ can talk a little bit more about this, but we are not age-based advisors. We uh, are very much liquidity needs-based. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we think it's a better approach uh, to determine what the liquidity needs from a portfolio might be to help us determine proper asset allocation than it is for us to base that on a, someone's age. Well, it, it also gets, yeah. It gets to the individual's needs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that don't intend to retire at the, at the um, traditional age, right? Absolutely. And, and their needs will be different than someone who's going to retire early for sure. Exactly. You know, it's funny because we – well, and maybe not funny, but <laughs> there are clients where we'll run a plan and, and maybe they've got millions of dollars in their nest egg. And, you know, the plans show that there's a possibility of them running out of money. And then, you know, you can do that for someone – someone else and maybe they've only got half a million dollars and they're going to make it just fine because it all comes back 
to the spending piece of this, right? And, and so if you can live off of and keep your spending in check, uh, an amount that would, would help you uh, extend the life of your assets, that's the key. It's not reaching a certain number right. or, 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 you know, age. And, and on top of that, we don't run a portfolio that tries to use bonds to mitigate uh, the volatility in the in the uh, portfolio maybe mm-hmm. that is the way that you you know you do it but in reality the bonds that we would buy for a client uh, we assume that they're not going to appreciate as quickly and that's more often than not over a long term especially is right. is the case exactly. so you know we what we're trying to do is get them away from the volatility of the market within that 10 year period when they need their assets for spending right. otherwise we assume that you know the market has shown us it's got about a 10 and a half percent annual average return although it very seldom hits that 10.5%. It's quite often higher and then quite often lower. Right. Uh, but, you know, even including downturns like the the Great Depression, we can track that number back, and the, the return is about 10.5%. So why in the world wouldn't you want your wealth growing if, in fact, you don't need the money uh, for a long exactly. period of time? And we've, we also use that 10-year period because we know that the market has – uh, only a couple of instances with it uh, with a negative return over a 10-year period. Mm-hmm. So even if you have a huge decline, even like the one from 2007 and 8, we know that the market recovers. It recovered. It took a few years uh, to get back from 07 and 08, but we know that it recovers. And uh, it, when you have a positive return, wouldn't you rather have uh, that and grow your wealth instead of sitting there with lesser volatility? Yeah, you probably didn't fall as much, but you're also not going to make as much over a long period of time. So Unless you need that, we assume that uh, your your portfolio should be managed in a personal manner. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think a lot yes. of the misconception comes from the fact that there are clients that are they're looking for that number because they're basing their their target dividend yield off. Of, well, if I can survive off of four percent of this number, then that's what I need because that's that'll cover my spending. Well, yeah, but you're subjecting your spending needs to a yield that maybe isn't promised or may not always be there, especially yeah, if the company's not. Promised, not. For sure. Yeah. 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 So, equity equity dividend is not a promise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's a big. Uh, misconception that we see from you know day to day and all our clients that they come in they say hey listen my last advisor said I would just need a distribution rate of four or five percent on the portfolio we don't believe that because if the market falls ten percent sure. that four or five percent just increased you're gonna have to pull even more money that's why we we want to make sure that we set that that money aside and we plan or and you plan for the the specific needs for yourself you've got the social security income you've got your pension whatever those you know Whatever you have coming in minus what you have going out, we have to evaluate that. There's so much um, in every single you know client situation right. that's that's a differentiator. Yeah. You have to really do that comprehensive plan. So um, you know it's just something to, that you really have to have detailed conversations yeah. about. And proper liquidity planning is the key. Not necessarily chasing a certain number because that's going to vary not only for you but but for everyone. Yeah, and we and see it. it. The people that come in, they want a specific return. This is what I need. Well, how do you know that without that plan? Maybe a 4% return is not going to make that need, though it yeah. sounds nice, or a 6% or even 10%. Right. But if I can I can tell you if, that, if you're making 10% on a portfolio and you need 14%, that's a problem. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, guys, and we'll come back with some more questions answered.
You're listening to Money Talks. We're back. It's kind of a slow introduction. Uh, Jared, are you still awake over there, buddy? I am a little bit. I'm just hey, coming, back to, coming back to life here. Yeah, I, I, I saw the... Uh, are you trying to stab yourself? In the oh, no, re- just getting something out of my eye. Oh, I, yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of pollen in here. Yeah, yeah no it's doubt. An outdoor studio, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have a few more questions to uh, to cover, but let's let's finish up on this uh, uh, situation. How to, how to spend That's the right. savings. Uh, if you do have questions, you can always reach us. we got a question hotline. Uh, 1-855-429-9166, where you can call in and ask your question. We'll play it on the air and then answer the question. Uh, you can also reach us at e- on uh, email at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. You can also, if you want personal help, if you have questions, uh, if you need a new uh, uh, property manager, like we were talking about back in the dog of the week, uh, 770-429-9166. We do have the ability to take care of uh, rental properties. Uh, obviously, we can answer uh, your questions. We can get you to the right individual. Jarrett, DJ, you guys could uh, surely help folks out uh, if you yeah, need so that level of help, 770-429-9166. So, guys, um, uh where were we in the in the conversation about spending your savings? Right, yeah, just just kind of getting back into that and clarifying a couple of things about how that looks as you get to the other side of the transition because the goal is to properly and adequately prepare for uh, the the your ability to pull from your pull money from your savings, right? I mean, live off the portfolio. That's the goal. That's why you save for retirement. And so, uh, really, you know, we believe that starting with a financial plan and trying to determine uh, what the liquidity needs for any given client might look like, so that we can then uh, allocate a portfolio in a way that in, in, in the way that we would do it, uh, which is by breaking down uh, the the fixed income needs or the liquidity needs from year to year. And specifically over the course of the next 10 years so that we can ladder out a fixed income portfolio and really take out that element of whether or not your dividend yield is being achieved or uh, what effects the market might be having on the value of your portfolio and, and, and probably most importantly of all, eliminating your potential uh, need of having to sell a stock in a down market. I mean, that's the sort of the co- cornerstone of our strategy, which is why we prefer to ladder out fixed income needs so that you've got that money when you need it. It should be the, the maturity date on these fixed income uh, securities should match uh, your need for the money based on your financial plan. And, you know, while that money is working to uh, be there for you when you need it, you can have the remainder of your portfolio and that nest egg working to offset what you're spending. And this way, again, you eliminate those other variables and uh, can hopefully offset uh, what you're doing, which is effectively eating into your principal, which I know some people get nervous about. But if you've got a significant portion of your portfolio otherwise growing to offset what you're pulling and can achieve a balance there, that to us is going to be the most effective way uh, to, to plan for liquidity needs in retirement and plan for it in such a way that you don't have to sell a stock when the market is down yeah, uh, in order to get what you risk. need. Absolutely. Well, not, not only is it a big risk, it's uh, it, it can be detrimental to your portfolio. Absolutely. Obviously, selling the stock when it's down is when you're most likely to miss those those uh, big up days. On top of that, if you sold it and you bought bonds while the market's down, what happens with to uh, to bond yields? 
during a during Increasing a uh, recession. Price. That's right. The, the the price on the bond is higher. Yep. The yield is lower. You're you're locking in a lower return for a longer period of time. It's exactly backwards of what you should do. Uh, you know, it, I know uh, off the air, Jarrett, you said that you had a client who had uh, wanted to know. You know, with the market having gone up so much, what is it that you would recommend me do? Well, number one, we don't try to time the market. The financial plan, if it says that you don't need liquidity, right. uh, obviously you leave the money in the market. If right. I, you know, there, there, it is a good time. If you do have spending needs that are identified over the next ten years, it's probably a great time to go ahead and uh, take some out of equities and, and put that into bonds. And if not, and all your money is in equities, and and that's where you should be. Why not rebalance your portfolio? Yeah, Try to yeah. take some money off the table from those stocks that have that have uh, run so much. Uh, if your portfolio still has recommendations and they're underweight because they haven't performed as well as the overall market, why not put a little more money into them? Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're they're most likely going to be uh, uh, maybe not undervalued, but uh, less uh, premium on those particular stocks. So, uh, it'd be a great time to to uh, ask your advisor if it's. A, it's you know, it makes sense in your portfolio to rebalance. Right. Well, that's yeah. a great point. I mean, look, you eliminate the risk there of, of having to, uh, to, to worry about what the market is doing. Like to your point in this client that we were talking about is he is worried about what's happening with the market. And while we are too, I mean, it's not as meaningful day to day to us as it is long term. So when you've got a strategy that effectively, uh, and in our opinion, would have navigated you pretty successfully through the Great Depression, then whether or not we slip into a recession over the next two or three years or whatever that time frame ends up being is not necessarily as meaningful as it would be if, if, if you know, you didn't have a strategy in place that was going to uh, prevent you from having to sell stock in a down market. But there are a lot of people, and I know you say, obviously, that is obviously what we would do, but so many clients come to us and have, have been implementing or had been a part of a strategy in the past that is based on a dividend yield or a, a certain uh, portfolio value that um, this kind of seems foreign to them. But just know that you need a plan in place in order to help you determine uh, what, what liquidity needs you might have from your portfolio. If you don't, you're going about it somewhat uh, blindsided, in my opinion, because otherwise, how do you know what a proper allocation is? If you're risking money that you know you'll need in the next, you know, let's just say five years even, right? well, then if you're worried about market levels and where they are, you certainly don't want the money invested in a way that is going to be meaningfully impacted by even a small downturn in the market. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And if I can, I just want to speak quickly on taxes. So uh, also one big point is if you need obviously $100,000 a year, let's just assume you're having Social Security come uh, into your accounts and you're you're taking a pension. Those are taxable income needs, right? right absolutely. You also have a distribution need. So the money, uh, the additional money that you're going to have to start spending is coming from some other bucket. That could be a savings account or, or a taxable brokerage account. It could come from a Roth or it could come from a 401k or a traditional type IRA. Right. So wherever you pull the additional funds from is going to affect your taxes. So mm-hmm. you, if you have to spend $100,000 a year, not including their tax liability, where you pull the money from and how we're allocating what, what money's where is also going to come into effect, which is an important aspect of this whole planning aspect. Um, what we don't want to see happen is the year before you retire, you come into us and say, hey, here's what I got. What's the problem? What's our strategy? Well, it's a lot easier to have a strategy, meaning let's save a little to the 401k, save a little to a, a Roth IRA, and then maybe save to a uh, or, or a Roth 401k, and then you know some taxable savings. So you ha- you're able to to pick and choose and and to have a little bit of dynamic on those buckets that you have, 
in yeah. addition to the the income Absolutely. taxable yeah. income needs the, you have. The That's earlier you the earlier you plan, the more flexibility you can have right. in that plan right. when it comes time to implement it. Right. Yeah, the tax status of those investments matter. That's a great point and yeah. something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Well, in getting to uh, some of these listener questions this week, Troy, one of them actually uh, kind of got me to thinking and, and sort of uh, revisit some of the questions I've had over the course of this week from actual clients and wondering, you know, how might uh, the recent bombing uh, that happened uh, over in Afghanistan as well as some of the things happening in North Korea might affect the market, given that it is already sort of uh, teetering with, you know, these all-time highs and, and being at a point where there's some concerns by most people about how much higher we can actually go. Yeah. You know, how, how might these things happening overseas and, and globally affect uh, where, where we stand? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm not, I haven't pulled any punches. The, the market does look a bit expensive to me. We're about 2%, a little more than 2% off of uh, the March first highs, which were all-time highs in the S&P 500. Um, but if you, if you look at what happened the day after uh, bombs were dropped uh, in Syria, the market kind of shook it off. I think we were down six basis points, 0.06%, basically a flat market on the day that that occurred. So it doesn't look to me like things are, are you know, the, the market at least is too worried about what's going on right now. Uh, I know there were those that worried it was part of the election campaigning against uh, President Trump that, uh, uh, you know, he was going to, be be quick to act and, and that sort of thing. It's you know we still don't have sufficient evidence that that is the case, um, but you know it, it's uh, it, it's all up in the air now. Part of the question that we had, and this was from uh, John Edward from Loganville. He said, uh, now that we've seen Trump's willingness to take action, where do you stand on military defense stocks like Northrop Grumman, uh, General Dynamics, and Raytheon? Uh, to be honest with you, I think. Uh, these stocks all got a huge boost right after the election. Um, and if you look back over history, usually during time of war is not the time to go out and buy these defense stocks. For the last four or five years, these things have all flown. Uh, they've, they've been getting a boost. As, as uh, turmoil heated up in the, in the uh, Middle East, we saw a good bit of that. But uh, uh, at the moment, I don't think it's time to just – you know, have a knee-jerk reaction and go buy a bunch of defense stocks. I tell you what, guys, we probably ought to take a break right here and uh, pay a few bills. And when I come back, I'll finish up the answer to uh, to to uh, John Edward and uh, and you too, Jarrett. And the defense question. Defense, absolutely. Right. We're gonna play some defense. <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Some tags, only got $20 in my pocket. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a This is Okay, okay, okay. I am money. Be a me. Be a me. Money in the bank. That's right. You're listening to Money Talks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not exactly our, our probably our audience's choice, but probably it's a good not, fit. Uh, that's know, a, that's Jared, an Atlanta based musician. You know, it's, it's a money show. I'm, hey, Jarrett, uh, it's good stuff. Jarrett threatened me if I didn't play the music just for the record. <laughs> I like to see Troy mix it up. I didn't request that particular song. But, <laughs> had a wake up from the last. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to mix it up, and I'm that's right. Mixing it up. Why that's not? right. 
There we go. So uh, when we left, we were talking a little bit about defense and, and uh, some defense stocks and whether or not, um, you know, this is going to derail the market, what's going to go on. I think when your conversation is, will this derail the market, uh, I think it's probably easy to say that, you know, people are a little bit nervous. Sure. But uh, at the same time, we haven't seen huge reactions. So, you know, why don't we take these in, in order? Northrop Grumman, um, it's got a... P.E. to growth, 3.45%. Jerry, what do you say? A little expensive, right? That is quite expensive, yeah. Yeah, it's expensive. Uh, we got Raytheon at uh, 2.4, uh, 2.66 P.E. to growth. What do you think? I think I'm staying away from all three of these. Yeah, I think exactly. They're all really expensive. Uh, they have varying debts. I, I'll tell you, there's been a, there was a study done. Uh, after World War II that showed, you know, if you had bought defense stocks after the uh, bombing of Pearl Harbor, that you would have trailed the market. The, the remainder of the market actually did better uh, than defense stocks after that fact. And part of the reason is, if you think about what happened then, and Lord forbid we have something that's this full-blown and global, but uh, there was not enough capacity in, in the um, uh, in the defense contractors, so you had to get other industrial companies to come out and help the war effort, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's probably uh, one thing that you think about. It's it's not going to drive your stock higher. It seems like where uh, if you wanted to invest in, in the defense, uh, go to the intelligence side of, of yeah. the industry. So it's, you know, where, where uh, our domestic government is, is uh, spending money to, to – uh, figure out what's going on. Maybe some of those is it Blackstone? I think yeah, uh, was one of them. Contractor, yeah. Some of those, some of those type contractors, and it's not it's not investable because it's a private company. But that seems to be where most of the money's spent. Ultimately, these stocks look expensive, and I wouldn't really recommend mm. them. We do own Lockheed Martin. We've owned it for a long time. Uh, we own it for its dividend, and we still think it's a great play for that particular piece. Dividend, the dividend is not in uh, in peril. We don't think that it would be cut anytime soon. We monitor that constantly. If we We've got a stock that we hold for the dividend, and I know this kind of ties back into what we were talking about with spending your money. Uh, if you're reliant on the dividend, um, two things. You surely don't want it to get cut, right? Right. You want to make sure that earnings are, are going to be sufficient to cover it. And when would you get most nervous? Is during a recession, right? When, right. when uh, uh, economic growth slows, economic activity slows. Uh, earnings could be cut and could become insufficient to cover that dividend. So if you're buying a stock for that purpose, watch it like a hawk. That's what we do. That's it. All right, guys. uh, Got a uh, uh, another question here from Paul and Kelly. Paul and Kelly says uh, we'd like to send our daughter to a private school like Walker or Lovett. Good schools. Hello. Uh, She has the uh, academic testing and teacher recommendations, but we're concerned as to how to uh, pay for it. She's now eight, and we'd like to enroll her by the eighth grade, uh, about three years from now. Any particular savings vehicle we should consider? Yeah, as a matter of fact, guys, there is a a very specific account for this, and it's certainly not your only option, but I would say maybe the most optimal one uh, would be a Coverdell ESA or a Coverdell Education Savings Account. Uh, Now, I will say at at her age, which is, as you you said now, Troy, eight, uh, and and you're looking to maybe start using some of this by the time she's in eighth grade, uh, it's probably not going to be of significant benefit to you, just given the fact that there are some limitations. Time horizon. Right, right, exactly, with with how much you can put in year to year, uh, which is annual. 
annually per beneficiary up to $2,000. Right. Uh, so it may not be able to stash away a whole lot in an account like this, but certainly uh, your ability to do so would, would provide you with the benefit of uh, pulling uh, the assets back out tax-free. Now, you don't get a tax deduction for contributions to the Coverdell uh, ESA, but you will be able to pull the money out so long as it's for a qualified education expense uh, completely free of tax. And so uh, it's certainly you know, a, a benefit that you otherwise wouldn't have if you, if you chose not to use this account. Now, this is different from, say, a 529 plan that cannot be used uh, for secondary education like what we're talking about here. And so while that's also a good uh, a good vehicle to save for education, it's not one that would be relevant in this case. Yeah, it's more exactly. college savings. It's college savings. 529 is going to be college. Now, so the, cover the ESA... The Coverdale can, can be, be used college. for college, exactly, right. but it can also be used for the primary education. Yes. So, so you can uh, you can pay for tuition to a private school, uh, private high school, middle school, whatever it is. Uh, yep. the, the biggest limitation, as you pointed out, uh, Jared, is is the fact that it, it you just can't save much money to it unless you start really early. Now, right. if you're out there thinking you're you know you just had a baby and you think that you're going to send that child through. Uh, uh, through private school uh, from the beginning, uh, even kindergarten, you right. could uh, you can do that as long as it's an educational expense, and that's pretty broadly defined. Um, I think you can buy computers that are used for for school, uh, the there textbooks. Is there's a lot of lots of stuff yep. so, uh, within that Coverdale. So um, just as a way of declaring, I send my children to a private school, and at the same time. Uh, I have a Coverdale ESA, and to be honest, we okay. I use it kind of as a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that we were hopeful to send our kids to a private school, uh, and we began saving when they were very young, before they were remotely close to uh, school-age children. So, um, you know, we saved for a while, and, and here's the beauty of it as a backup plan. You know, when you get to college, uh, you'll obviously want to start spending it down so the money doesn't go to waste. But if you right. get to the end with one child and both of them have a, an account, um, you can use the the remnant of, of the one child on the second. So you yep. or someone else, you can actually uh, assign that that. Uh, ESA, yeah. the Coverdale ESA, to another child. Right. You right. got the opp- you got the opportunity to change beneficiaries if necessary, but the account has to be uh, distributed in full by the age of thirty. Uh, and if it's not, then you may run into some income tax and, and penalty uh, situations for that. But surely, if you're going to use it for secondary education and even some college funds, uh, given the the limited amount that you can get away in these plans, a stash away, anyways, uh, you, you probably will. Spin that down, assuming uh, you know your, your child goes to college or even a private school that um, you know is not is not all that uh, well expensive. Yeah. So. so and the other thing is, you said they have to be used by thirty, or mm-hmm. you know by the time that child reaches thirty. So you could easily pass it to another, or you know if they want to go to grad school and you still hadn't used it up. Um, sky's lit. Or take right. a break. A lot of folks go to go to college for a year or two. It's really not mature enough to do it. Uh, sure. Take a break and realize that they had made a mistake and go back. So, um, you know, it does give you plenty of flexibility. It's the reason that I like it. I, I still agree with you, Jared. It's uh, way limited. Absolutely. All right, we got another uh, question here, Michael, from Marietta. We can make this relatively quick. Uh, how was the repeal of the F- 
FCC primary rules for ISPs, that is, uh, Internet service providers, going to affect the stocks. Uh, uh, what's at stake here is privacy. It's individual privacy. Uh, Barack Obama's administration put some uh, limitations on what the Internet service providers could, could uh, use your personal information for. That's been lifted, right? Yep. So... Uh, What's going to happen? Well, it, it, it all depends, I guess, now that it's not against the law. They could do pretty much whatever they want to. However, it's a, a point of contention with their, with their customer base. So you got ATT came out and said, hey, look, in no way, shape, or form are we going to use your information, sell your information, uh, and, and uh, you know, that's good enough, except for the fact that uh, when you define What they mean by that, it's a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> right. uh, Comcast, who a lot of folks expect to be the one who leads with this, you know, we're going to sell it, you're going to get more directed ads, uh, we'll know more about you, and so will the advertisers. Mm -hmm. Although you can't name somebody specifically, uh, it's kind of an issue. I personally believe that uh, due to their image, they're probably, and the fact that folks would start dropping them like hotcakes, uh, they're probably not going to get too crazy with this. Okay. Right. All right, guys, so uh, we're coming up on the end of the show. Jarrett. What am I going to ask you? Yeah, probably how the market's going to perform over the next week. Is the market week. up or down next week? Come on, man. I got to tell you, I want to be optimistic this week and say it's uh, it's going down, which really means it's going up because every time I say something, it goes in the That's, opposite direction. There you so. go. There's old wrong way, McKenzie. <laughs> All right, DJ, what do you think? Uh, we're going up. Up. I, uh, I'm a broken record. I always say up. Been a slice of heaven, guys. It's been yep, fun. It has. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week, y'all. Uh, hang tight. Have a good weekend. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.